0: So in vacation, uh, we uh, this was the first time in ten years that we have uh, gone the longest. This is the longest trip we've ever taken—seven whole days in a hotel. We'll never do it again. Uh, just, uh you know hotel life is uh you become very intimate and uh you know i learned how to sneak uh in the hotel room in complete darkness by crawling over the hotel carpet that's wonderful and uh you know because you might wake up early in the morning and you just get very very close but as i thought about the week there in the hotel i'm reminded that intimacy is not just about proximity two people just coming together and being close to each other, does not really mean that it can be intimate. I know married couples that have been married for years, but they're not intimate. They're close. They live in the same home, but they're not intimate. I know fathers and sons who they live in the same dwelling, but there's not a level of intimacy. There's something that's required that goes deeper than just close proximity, just uh, nearness. Intimacy is something deeper. I think Many of you understand what I'm talking about. And I believe that it takes a time for us to grow intimate. It does for us even in marriages. As we first get married, we just think it's all fun and games, but God begins to chisel away at each partner, each uh, husband and wife, and they begin to understand what real true intimacy is. It's tough. For men, particularly, because intimacy is something that we shy away from and sharing our feelings and all those things in a marriage, it becomes very important and it's something we have to learn. I don't think it comes in the manual for men. We have to, it's something to be developed. The same is true in our relationship with God. I think many of us understand that making a decision for Christ, crossing the line of faith. Being born a second time is not the end of the journey, it's the beginning of the journey. And growing close and intimate with God is something that we learn, that, we, that God develops within us. We have been going through each day of the creation story in the book of Genesis. We find ourselves now on the crowning day, day number six. This is the day... And the creation story on which man was created and God did something unique on that day. I would venture to say that God did something intimate that day. There was no need for intimacy on the first day of creation when God said, let there be light or when God said, let there be waters that are separated from waters or when the the dry land appeared all those things it was as if god were preparing through 1 through 5 days for day 6 for man we are told by king david in psalm 8 that we are created just a little lower than the angels that's pretty high on the on the food chain if you don't know David also said in Psalm 139 that we are fearfully and wonderfully made. And today as we look on this sixth day of creation, I want you to understand that we're created with an umbilical dependence upon God, whether we see it or whether we don't. But there is a reason for that and I want to remind you and frame why we're having these series of conversations, and I say conversations, because we take these messages into our ad groups, we create questions, our small groups, and allow people to talk about them. And it's, it's wonderful. It's not that you're just being a consumer. You actually get to interact with what we're saying. So this series of conversations is this. This is a, a, a collection of conversations called Fingerprint. And the reason it's called Fingerprint is because we are designed to show God to the world. His fingerprints are found all over these days of creation. That's why it's very distinctive from my friends who are evolutionists. Those who believe in evolution, there are no fingerprints in their theory. There is no person, there is no being of God. And the deepest part of me, I believe, that many choose the path of thinking of the theory of evolution and believing and putting their faith in the theory of evolution, I say respectfully, because once you believe that there is a creator who has unique and distinctive fingerprints in creation, you must deal with him. You must come in terms with a real, live God. For that reason, what we have looked at is fingerprints from every day that not only existed in that day, but they, they're traceable through every page of the Bible and even into our own day. For example, day one, we saw that God separated light from darkness. He never stopped. It's one of the characteristics, the core attributes, the core character of God that he makes a very distinguishing line between light and darkness. He does so throughout the entire scripture, and he hasn't stopped. Even today, he's separating light from darkness. Christ came into the world. People still love darkness more than they do light, and there is a distinction that is made even on May Uh, June 19th, 2013. That took me a little while to use brain cells to to get that, what today's date was. So as we find, (laughs) I know, I'm a moron, I already got that part. (laughs) So as we find ourselves on day six, here's the thing, it's different, it's different in ways that show a fingerprint that God has on our lives that is astounding. And when I look and frame the whole book, the whole story, if God, in fact, made us his crowning achievement, that we're created a little lower than the angels and we're fearfully and wonderfully made. I don't know anywhere in the scriptures where that's said of, of a gecko. That, oh, the gecko is fearfully and wonderfully made. Or a tomato plant. It's unique to us. And because it is unique to us, we have a unique responsibility to show the fingerprint of God to this world more than any other segment or part of creation. It's important what we see on day six. Now, you'll rem- you'll be reminded, or you'll remember, that The amazing thing about creation is that God spoke it into existence. He said, let there be light, and there was light. He said, let the waters separate from the waters and put an expanse in between, and it was so. Let the dry ground appear. Let the vegetation appear and and reproduce according to its own kind. Let the animals, let the sea be teeming, you remember, teeming with sea creatures, and it was so. And then God gets to day six, and he could have said, let there be man. And all of a sudden, there be man. Look, if God can do everything that he did, day one through five, you've got to realize that he could have said, let there be man. And poof, Adam just was standing there. I have that level of trust in an amazing and brilliant God. But he didn't. He did not say, let there be man. He said, let us make man. Much different. Genesis chapter 1. If you're following along in your own Bible, I do encourage you to bring one. You can write notes in it and, and uh, remember things as you review. If you don't have yours with you today, uh, you can read on the screen. Genesis 1, day 6, verse 24. And God said, let the land produce living creatures according to their kinds. He's still speaking creation into existence. Livestock. Creatures that move along the ground, and wild animals, each according to its kind, and it was so. Verse 25, God made the wild animals according to their kinds, the livestock according to their kinds, and all the creatures that move along the ground according to their kinds. Do you think he said it enough? According to their kinds. And God saw that it was good. Then, verse 26, God said, let us make No more speaking from God's part as he did on day one and day two and day three and day four and day five. Let us make man in our image, in our likeness. Now, I'm going to park here for just 30 seconds. It's too deep and long to go into, but for those of you who know the Bible, this is... The Trinity, as we would say, it's the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. When he says we're making man in our image, it's the mystery of the triune God. If any of you understand that completely, would love to talk to you after this service and you can explain it more fully to me. But it is the Father and the Son and, and and the the Holy Spirit beautifully intertwined into the God, the relational God that we know. We are made. We use this verse quite often here at 360. We're made in a relational image. Today we're going to see a different angle of this image. Let us make man in our image and in our likeness. Let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth. And over all the creatures that move along the ground, everything that I just created, God says, you're my crowning achievement. I'm putting you over it. Verse 27, so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Now, you remember from day one in the beginning that God created the heavens and the earth. It's important at times to go back to the original language and that original word created is the word bara in Hebrew. That means ex nihilo. He created something from nothing. I'll remind you that there's not one person in the room or on the planet, for that matter, that can ever ex nihilo. They cannot bara anything. We cannot create something from Nothing we asah that's the hebrew word for make that means edison and all the and uh, henry ford and all those guys they made something out of something which of those words do you think that god used here when he says i'm going to make man the answer is neither he actually uses a new word So not only he says, "Look, I'm gonna I'm gonna do something different here," but I'm using a word that's in Hebrew. It's yatsar, which means I'm going to touch it and I'm going to form it as we would know language. The the potter, just like a potter, would take a piece of clay and put it on the 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 wheel and begin to touch it. From the very moment that God says, "I'm doing something different with man." It begins with an intimate moment that I'm not just speaking it into existence, but I'm going to touch Him. And of all the things in creation, we as human beings have the fingerprint of God on us because he literally put his fingers into the clay the Adama, that's where adam gets his his name puts his 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 uh, fingers right into the clay right into the dirt and he touches it and he forms it and there's a beauty that falls right into to this this intimacy that we're dependent on God. I'll tell you why we're dependent on God here. The reason is this. That when you take, when you think of a a sculptor and they put that lump of clay on the wheel, that lump of clay will be a lump of clay 50 years from now unless somebody touches it. We cannot make change on our own unless the fingers, unless we allow the fingers and the hand of God to come and say, look God, there are some areas of my life that need your fingerprints on. For many years, and still, when I look deep within my heart and my life, I find, like you do, that there are areas where I'm like, Oh, God, don't touch that. I don't want your fingerprints there. You can touch this, but don't touch that. There's a willingness that has to happen in order for God to, to mold and make us and touch us or else we just keep spinning. That may be your ambition. It may be arrogance. It may be an addiction. It may be something so private and probably is that nobody knows that you don't want God's fingerprints on that. We've sung so many songs about the potter and the clay, and the clay and the potter, and we think, oh, it's such a beautiful th- image, and it is. But when you find it in the scriptures, it comes at a very hard place where the prophet Isaiah is speaking to the, Israel, uh, the nation of Israel, and he's saying to them, you've said to God far too long, hands off, don't touch me, I'm spinning, and I don't want your fingerprints on me. In Isaiah chapter 64, we read these words from this prophet. No one calls on your name, God, watch or strives to lay hold of you. It's like it reminds us of the Apostle Paul. It says, like, press ahead so that you may take hold of the prize. For you have hidden your face, God, from us and made us waste away because of our sins. Yet, O Lord, happy Father's Day you are our father. And we are the clay. And you are the potter. That is what happened on day six. And God never stopped wanting to touch us. You are the clay. You, we are the clay. You are the potter. And we are all the work of your hand. Oh God, we're umbilically dependent on you. Don't be angry beyond measure, oh Lord. You can feel it in his voice. Do not remember our sins forever. Oh, look upon us, we pray, for we are all your clay, God. We are all your people. We're in desperate need. There have been too many times where I tried to change that thing I couldn't change without the touch of the potter. There are too many times I try to lay something down, something that you, you wouldn't say, well, that's not an addiction. Oh, yeah, it was an addiction. Things that just were, I were umbilically tied to that God would say, I've got to, you've got to let me into it and try and try and try and try until you say, God, I can't do it. And he said, well, finally, finally, I can have a part. I can play my part because earlier in Isaiah 29, we're told that there's a different angle. Woe to those in Isaiah twenty-nine sixteen. Woe to those who go to great depths to hide their plans from the Lord. Like here's a secret part you can't touch. Who do their work in darkness and think, who sees us? Who will knows? Watch. You turn things upside down. Brilliant. Shall the potter be regarded as the clay? The thing made should say of its maker, he did not make me. Or the thing formed, say of him who formed it, he has no understanding. In other words... Don't forget our goal here, that the fingerprints of God are seen in the world. Too often, we have things upside down where we want to form an image of who God is, as if we're the potter. God will never be seen in the world if only he has our fingerprints on him. We need to have his fingerprints on us, and then God, then people around us will see God like, wow, I've noticed a change in your life. Yeah, it's a fingerprint of God. How did you get over that? God, I tell you, I tried. I tried and tried and tried. All I did was spin around and around and around and around and around. And it was only till the creator of this universe reached down and I allowed him to touch my clay. Can you see the fingerprint? Or let me show you another one. See, Jacob would say, oh, look at this fingerprint. Ah, oh, that was painful. You see, God's fingerprint doesn't always come onto the clay like this. I'll do it delicately. Okay. Sometimes like, hey, pop. Oh, oh, whoa, that hurt. And then people will begin to see his image. See, it's natural that God created us according to our kind. So I have some of the characteristics of my father and, and so forth. And so, uh, in our home, uh, I, I'm the one that can't find my keys and, and my wallet. Even this morning, I'm leaving like, where's my wallet? I'm looking all over for it. And, and uh, our oldest boy who's 10, he's the finder. And automatically, I mean, just like that, my, my wife says, Ty, dad's lost his wallet. And he's like a hound dog on him. <laughs> my younger son, however, is, a, he's like me. And, uh, and so he has, it's according to dad and, and, and our younger one. And so this week I heard my wife getting on to him for losing his flip-flops or something. He said, I can't help it. I got it from dad. <laughs> I'm like, yeah, keep it to yourself. <laughs> At this church, we believe strongly that we begin with the end in mind. And the end in mind is the image of Christ. Christ said, when you've seen me, you've seen the Father. You want to look like God, you become like me. And we begin with the end in mind because the end is actually in the beginning of the book. Isn't that amazing? We can find out the image of God, the one we're growing in. Now some of you may say, gosh, you know what, dude, I, I honestly, I, I was here for inspiration. I was here because I wanted to get a little more ounce of peace. I signed up for Christ because I had a lot of junk and I wanted to, that to be cleared. All good stuff. But please don't stop there. If you say in your mind, I'm not really sure I really care what the image of God is. I'm not sure that why I'm growing into that. If you've been in the Christian arena for any amount of time, shame on you if I were to be honest with you. Because this is our goal. If you're just new to to, to, to Christ and you're just walking with Him, that's all right because you're going to understand That this is our goal to grow into the image of Christ. If I just say, hey, I don't care. I'm I'm okay. I'm saved. I'm I'm in heaven. And I really don't care to grow. Like, oh, God would say, oh, no, 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 no. I want, not for your benefit, but for mine, I want to be seen in the world. And it will never happen if you stay in your image, cause you're in the image of your earthly father, you're in the image of the genes you inherited, which includes Adam, if you want to trace it all the way back. We've got to change that because something happened in the garden that day when Adam fell and we inherited all that and we're infected by all that. And that's why God said, no, no, you gotta, you gotta change because you're just gonna, you're gonna keep looking like each other. So today on Father's Day, I got this card from my son. My youngest one, of course. And he said, um, thanks, Dad. I'm thinking, because my older son said, thanks, Dad, for all you do. Thanks, Dad, for all of this, that and the other, whatever. Thanks, Dad, for giving me your awesome good looks. (laughs) And I was thinking, I'm feeling pretty good about that. Until I turned the page and I saw the picture of myself. Happy Father's Day to you too, pal. (laughs) Is that Groucho Marx or uh, what are we talking about here? Listen. We can never grow into the image of God on our own. We need this touch. Now, the first thing is God touched us, but the second thing is I'm created. He's created us in our image. We don't want to keep replicating just our earthly image. We want to replicate God's image, and we can only do it and get that from God. It is our goal. Second Corinthians 3:18. And we who reflect the Lord's glory are being transformed into his likeness with ever, I love the word, increasing glory. In other words, you may raise your hand and say, I haven't arrived. Perfect. Take a number, me neither. We're increasing. We're growing. The, the, the theological world is sanctified. We're being progressively sanctified. We're growing and formed and being chiseled and getting more fingerprints by the time. that If we're growing and allowing God, we got God's fingerprints all over us. And we look like God, which comes from the Lord, by the way, which is the Spirit. Now, put on your thinking cap because this gets cool, but a little bit heavy, but I'll try to keep it simple. In the first chapter of Genesis, we're introduced to Elohim. The Hebrews knew Elohim as the holy other. In other words, we had our environment. Elohim had his environment. He was the holy other because And still is, by the way, because there is that level of mystery in which we'll never understand. We can't tap in on this side of heaven fully or even fractionally into who he really is. He's the holy other. He's above us in everything and every way. Everything in chapter 1 is that in the beginning God, Elohim, created. And Elohim said every time, Now we get to the second chapter of Genesis, and he introduces to himself, as he does through Scripture, a new name. This is the first name. First time we see this name, it appears in Scripture 6,823 times. You can actually view it in English, because in chapter 1 we're seeing in the beginning, God created in English. God created but in chapter 2, we see a different name. You'll see it in Genesis 2 and verse 7. In Genesis 2 verse 7, the Lord God. Now, isn't that easy just to, to read over? It is so significant. The Lord God formed the man because in Genesis 2, God begins to tell the story again, but He does it in such a personalized way. He doesn't just repeat one, days one through six. He says, I'm telling you, I I created this, the Lord God created this planet, but there was no man to work it. He automatically said, but there's no man to work it because man was the centerpiece in chapter 2. And so um, the Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground, breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. That name in Hebrew, the word Lord in English, is the word Yahweh. So what we're seeing here is Yahweh Elohim. Okay, you're thinking, all right, what's the difference? Okay, here's the difference. In your workplace, if you say something along the lines of, you know, I've had a kind of a spiritual turnaround in my life and God has done something. Most people will be okay with that until you mention the name of Jesus. Then things change. A, an athlete can get on TV and say, I've given glory to God. That's cool. I'm glad. But the minute he says, and I've given my life like Tim Tebow to Jesus Christ, he will be the brunt of jokes on late night TV. This is the personalized name. This Yahweh is the God who came close and intimate. In, in the, the fancy word, are you ready? Is Tetragrammaton. Now I know you're impressed because that may be the first six syllable word you've ever heard me say. Is that six syllables? Five. Thank you. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. <laughs> On top of that, if I'm being real honest, I practice. I'm like tetragrammatine. Any Anyway, I'm like, it, it took a little while to say it. It literally means tetra four grammaton letters. I'll tell you why. The word Yahweh was so sacred to the Hebrews, that they would not even say it or write it in its full form. They only wrote the letters and translated into English Y, H, W, or V. They were interchangeable. H. And when we see this word, now frame it, we're growing into the image of Yahweh. on In Hebrew, in caves and on walls, what we're seeing here is that God was so intimately involved because the word Yahweh, those letters, are the same Hebrew letters That's when Adam became, It said he became a living being. They're the same letters because this is the name of that when Moses faced God, he said, hey, who do, who do I tell Pharaoh sent me? He said, Yahweh, I am that I am. I exist. And that whole existence on caves and on walls, we would see the etching of these four letters in Hebrews and they were, they were written vertically because they sh- were in the shape of a man. Now, would I stand on that and say, that's exactly what, I don't, I don't know. I just dig it. it you know, that may have not been God's intention, but when you see that, it's a reminder of this intimate connection between Yahweh and that because he was a living being and the man who became a living being. You may not be convinced yet. I can see it in your eyes. There is an amazing picture that is drawn by these Hebrew letters. I'll remind you because we foreshadowed it in day one. See, in our, in our language, we have letters that spell words. In languages like this, Chinese, Asian languages, they're often pictures And these four letters make a picture. If you want to know what the image of God that you're growing into. I mean, if if you buy into the fact like, man, our job here on earth is to grow into the image of God and do what he's told us to do so that we can present God to the world then you would naturally ask then what is the image of God what is that like well we already know it's relational but there's something deeper in that because these four letters spell out in pictures behold the hand behold the nail from the very beginning behold the hand the pot, the work the right hand of God is also connected deeply with the tent peg the, the nail i 'll remind you that the scriptures profoundly allow us to know alert us to the fact that Jesus Christ was slain before the foundation of the world before day six that this Yahweh already understood that intimately connected with God with man meant that he would have to come and die He would have to come and shed his life for us. For that reason, it is no surprise in Ephesians chapter 5, verse 1. Be imitators of God, therefore. In other words, grow into His image. Okay, what's that like as dearly loved children? Live a life of love. That's the relational part. And just as Christ loved us and died, He gave Himself up for us as a fragrant offering and sacrifice to God. It's not even enough. Watch this. When Christ was crucified, you know they nailed a sign above Him. In John chapter 20, we're told that it was in many different languages. And because there was so much writing, that's why they abbreviated They only put letters as an acronym. You'll see paintings of Christ with I-N-R-I over it. That's because that was the ones that the Romans could understand. And many paintings came out of that Roman mindset. That's why you see it. But we're told by John there were other languages. If what they wrote on the cross of Christ was written in Hebrew... This is the way it would read. It would read this, Yeshua, Hanatzarat Vamalek, Hayarahim, which if you take the first letters, when they took those four letters, without even knowing it, they said, there is Yahweh, the intimate God, who knew from the foundation of the earth that the image would be that he would be relational Intimately and that he would have to die and give himself up as a fragrant offering. Oh, the word of God is astounding, astounding from beginning to end. And if you're not exciting, not excited about that, your needle's broken somewhere. Jesus did not show up. As some interruption of God's plan, he showed up as a beautiful continuance of it. That's why I can put my faith not only with my heart and my soul, but also with my mind. It's important that we use our minds as Christians. It's important that we look at the depths of these things. So to grow into the image of God, it means you're Intimately relational, but it means you're going to have to die. You like, "Woo! I was good up to that point." How does that look? How does that death part look? Well, let me show you a picture. When Moses came up, and he faced Yahweh, and Yahweh said to Moses, "I want you to show me to the world." You remember what he said? I'm scared. I'm scared. And God said, you're going to have to die to that fear. If you're going to show me to the world, now there's some other guys in the camp that I could have picked and, and fear wasn't their deal. But it's your deal. I'm not even convinced that that's not why God picked him. I'm going to pick the one that's scared. The guy's living on the backside of a desert as a fugitive. Hey, that's the candidate right there. God picks weird people. That's why I'm here, by the way. (laughs) He said, I'm going to pick the scaredy cat. God, I can't know. Oh, I can't go. I already knew that. That's why I picked you. But I picked you because you're going to have to die. Abraham, you're too attached to your son. I need to know that I'm first. You're going to have to die to that. Literally. So Moses says, I can't go. God reminds him that he's Yahweh in Exodus 4, verse 11. The Lord said to him, Yahweh, by the way, can I remind you something, Mo? Who gave man his mouth? Genesis chapter 1, day number 6. Who makes him deaf or mute? Who gives him sight or makes him blind? Is it not I, Yahweh? Now go and I will help you. You say, I can't grow into the image of God. Perfect. You can't. We're umbilically dependent on God to grow into his image. We just have to let him touch us. And we have to be willing to die to those things. Isn't it amazing how much we'll put our trust in someone or something else other than Yahweh? Do you remember what Moses said after this stirring speech from God? I mean, I'm the guy that made your mouth. That's pretty inspirational. I'm the guy that gives you sight. I'll go with you. I am Yahweh. I mean, everybody would be inspired. I guess God wasn't good enough of a preacher that day. Because Moses said, I'd rather put my trust. Thanks for the speech, but I'd rather put my trust in my brother. His name is Aaron. And God said, really? Really? Another human being you're going to trust. There are times that I have trusted someone close to me more than I trusted God. How about you? But God reminds us. He says, okay, here's God's response to that. Exodus 4.13. Okay, that's fine. Go get your brother. You shall speak to him, Aaron, and you'll dictate to him. You'll put words in his mouth. And by the way, I'll help both of you. You're trusting in Aaron. I'll help both of you. Because I am Yahweh, and I'm still in charge of all of these things. Today, I stepped on the scale, and I hit a goal, a 25-pound loss goal. Yeah, thank you. I've been working on it 18 years. I'm feeling pretty good about it. I lose about a pound and .5 a year. I think it's important for leaders to be transparent and honest because that's the environment that we're trying to nurture here. So I'm about to be real transparent with you. I'm 54 years old. I could tell you that I lost weight because of health and I want to feel better. That's part of the package, of course. And that I have younger kids and a beautiful wife and I don't want to have a heart attack at 55 that's part of it. But if I were being really transparent, which I, I'm going to be, I would, it was something else. In January, I felt this deep sense of conviction from God. There is, there is a sin here. And it is a sin of gluttony. Now, I'm going to speak for myself. You translate it to your own life, whatever that may be. But I'm, I'm not prescribing this. I'm saying it's for me. There's a sin of gluttony here. Steve and you've used food as a source and not a resource big difference it's a source for you when you're down it's a source for you to have fun instead of being a resource for nourishment and energy and and health and when I'm down some lady came to me and she said I'm so glad you're honest today I've had an addiction to chocolate when I say pe- that people laugh, but I wake up every morning and I gotta have it. And she said, I've broken it. But I, I had to come to terms with this, this fact that like I, I am depending on this when I've had a rough day. Man, I'm gonna eat something. Or, you know, we go on vacation. Well, it's time to, can I have fun without having that as my source? And, it, And so this goes deeper into the caverns of our life where it's one of those things where we say, God, back off. It's just food. It is a challenge for many of us, even as believers of Christ. These are the hidden things. We'd rather much talk about the sin of homosexuality or adultery. But when it comes to these things, we like, at least for me, you speak for yourself, like, ooh, it's just gluttony. It's not that big of a deal. And God said, I'll tell you why it is a deal. Steve, you're a leader. And you stand in front of other people. And not because of your weight, but because of your umbilical attachment to it. It's going to be a blockade for others to see Christ. Will you die to it? And I said, yes, God, I will. I will. I will. And I hope that you'll see the fingerprint. Of God, not in the weight loss, but in the death of something that I held strongly to. I have friends that I call their their kick-your-booty type friends. <laughs> so we were at lunch about four or five weeks ago, and they said, I'll tell you what, Steve, you mean that? Mm-hmm. Sheep say, mm-hmm. Because you don't even remember what's going on with this gang. Oh, kind okay, of I do. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what. If you're serious about it, we're asking you to do something. We're asking you to consider something. Because here's what we do as human creatures. We say, I'm going to die to something, but it's only kind of. Nothing kind of dies. Have you ever noticed that? It's either dead or it's not dead. And we say, you know, I'm going to go so far, but then I'm going to yearn for it. I'm going to decide that this is where God wants me. But my whole life I'm thinking, I wish I was over there. God can't be seen in the semi-dead. God can't be seen if I'm just yearning for not being over there because I, I died to it, I'm here. God can't be seen if I say, you know what? I'm gonna give up something, but I'm gonna give, I'm gonna start tithing, but all I can think about is the money I'm losing and all that. God can't be seen in that. The Israelites said, hey, you know what? I'm, we're, we're going out of Egypt, but then when things got tough, what did they do? They're like, well, I wish we were back there making leeks and onions and all the great things. You're like, you're morons. How about the bricks you made along with the leeks? And God said, that's why I put the dead, the, the Red Sea, right against the back of your pants because I know who you are and I know that you wouldn't have died completely and you wanted to go back. So we buried it and that's the beautiful picture of baptism. You're dead. You're buried with Christ under that water and you're raised to new life. So my friend said, are you serious about this? I said, yeah. He said, why don't you try this? All the, all the clothes you've grown out of, you know that your previous size... Why don't you put them in a bag and donate them? Like, why don't you stick it up your left nostril? No, I'm just kidding. (laughs) So this morning, I have a picture for you. And these are my clothes. And I mean business. (laughs) You see, because God, here's one of the the things. I'm holding on to this just in case. I'm kidding. Okay. God said, man, if you're serious about it, and you're serious about growing my image, here's what you're going to have to do, dude. You're going to have to bag it and you're going to have to bury it and look forward so that Christ can be seen because the death of what you've done is in you. I'll remind you that the New Testament reminds us in 2 Corinthians 4 verse 10 we always carry around in our body the death of Yeshua, Jesus so that the life of Jesus may be revealed. You want God to be seen in your life? You might have to allow God to touch places you don't want Him to touch. You might have to to allow some death to take place. You will have to. That may be arrogance for you. It may be stubbornness. It may be ambition in your business. It may be living with someone you're not married to. It may be lust. With nearly 70% of Christian men umbilically attached To pornography, it may be a good place to start, not because of the pornography, but the umbilical attachment that people can't see God past. Finally, as we close, we cannot close today without recognizing that God did something extraordinarily intimate, something that He didn't do with vegetation, or teeming sea creatures our livestock or wild animals he reserved it for us he breathed into the nostrils of man can you picture how intimate that is for him to put his mouth up to the nostrils of a man Charlie come up I'm going to show you no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I'm good I'm all right <laughs> Spiritually speaking we are umbilically dependent on the holy spirit of god I remind you of the words we sang earlier Jesus said I'm the vine you are the branches If a man remains in me and I in him, if he is umbilically tied, he will bear much fruit. And apart from me, you can do nothing. You want to show God to the world, you start bearing fruit. And when God breathes and his Holy Spirit works and we begin to bear fruit. You remember Abram and Sarai? And when God said, I'm getting ready to bear fruit through you, he called them Abraham and Sarah, And he put an H in their name and he breathed on them and conceived a child. And God wants to conceive in us fruit. We're told in John fifteen eight, this is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. 2 Corinthians 4, 7. But we have this treasure, this Holy Spirit, and jars of clay, our body, to show that this all-surpassing power is from God, not from us. Dude, how did you get over that addiction? Your stubbornness, your ambition, your, your arrogance, your weight, your food addiction, whatever that is, how did you get over that? I don't mean to be cliché-ish, but only by the power of the Holy Spirit growing His image in me. If you want the real answer, it wasn't Weight Watchers. No offense to Weight Watchers people. I'm going to close with one more picture. When we go on vacation, our boys at this chapter save up all their money so we can go to the Lego store. My youngest son is not geared to build things with manuals. He's artistic and improvisational. And yet when it comes to Legos, he can follow step by step. And he walked in the living room two nights ago, and I'm not sure I've ever seen a broader smile on his face. And he had this picture, this little castle from the Lord of the Rings, and he said to me, Dad, look, look at this. And when we're willing to allow God to touch us, when we're willing to die to those things that blockade the vision, the visibility of God, when we're willing to allow him to breathe intimately into ourselves so that we can bear fruit and people see then in that process, we're growing and building into something that at the end of our life, we will stand before him and we'll say, look, look, dad. And we will see an an immeasurable grin go across the face of our father. He will like, oh, yeah, that is what brings me glory. This is why you've been created on day six. Let's pray. Father, oh God, thank you for creating us beautifully. God, out of dust, out of dirt, out of clay. You reached down, you put your fingers on us. You brought life by breathing, God. And you haven't stopped sense. So, Father, today, oh, we're thankful for the high level on the food chain in which you've made us, and yet we feel the responsibility of being in that place. I pray for the work of your Spirit I pray, God, for allowance to touch places, God, in, in, in areas that we wouldn't want to look at, areas that we may not even call sin. I pray, God, for those who are umbilically tied and dependent on a person, on a thing, on a substance. Oh, God, may the power of your Holy Spirit break those bindings, God. And I pray for those that don't feel beautiful, that you remind them that they are through the power of your Spirit. I pray, God, for those that don't know Christ, who simply feel like their life is spinning on a potter's wheel, who need a touch from God to begin to shape their life. Thank you, Father, for making us beautiful. We're after Adam's fall, growing back into that image, and we can only do so through the power of Yahweh. We pray in your name. Amen.